Welcome to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I am your host today, AC. I am joined together by none other than Emma Tautolo and John Crawford. What's up, AC? Yo, yo, AC. Man, so awesome to have y'all on. These are two of some of my favorite people. And we are actually going to talk about gratitude. As you guys know, we've been doing the form project as we intentionally press into practices that shape us into the image of Jesus. And so I want to ask you guys, Emma, um, how does gratitude specifically shape us as individuals and as a community into the image of Christ? Mm. AC, when I think about being shaped into the image of Christ, one of the things I think about gratitude is that gratitude for me pushes against any type of entitlement. So any hint or posture in which I think I deserve to be blessed or I deserve good things, it kind of goes out the window. But not that God doesn't give them, but he doesn't give them because I deserve them, but he gives them because he's good. And so gratitude actually, when I think about it, it makes me so thankful for grace and it helps me acknowledge the supremacy and sovereignty of God, that he's God and I'm not. I think of grace like as just this undeserved gift, this unmerited favor, a good gift that you didn't earn and you don't deserve. And yet, so God is just a good father and gives that to me. Um, And when all of that works its way out in my heart, I can surrender to a God who's in control and a God who's good. I can trust him because he's good, that he would give me such lavish gifts and I'm not deserving of them. I actually, I think of like the older son in the story of the lost son, the the young son who was wiling out and came back and the Lord lavished him with gifts. And then the older son was kind of salty, like, wait a minute, I've been serving you all these years. And then like, you're going to kill the fat calf for him. But just how how much of a lack of a posture of gratitude the older son had. So it just, it just kind of snaps me out of any entitlement mm. and conforms me into just this posture of Lord, you are God and I am very much not. And so I am able to surrender to the king of kings in that but yeah i think that's so good emma just on the entitlement and just to piggyback off of that i i I see so much like how does gratitude uh, shape us and help shape us into into the image of christ we see that jesus is the ultimate example and exemplifies humility and really when we're talking about gratitude we're talking about a, a posture of thanksgiving and exactly what Emma said is it helps you realize that you are not entitled to anything, that everything that we have is a gift from God. And what that does is it starts to stir a sense of humility within us. Um, And we see this like Philippians 2, right, where where Jesus humbles himself to the point of death on the cross, right? Leaves the comforts of heaven. He's not entitled. Jesus is entitled to the world, but he doesn't, he doesn't take that as, hey, this is mine, and so I'm not going to do this for the sake of the world, but instead he leaves the comforts, not entitled to all of the comforts of the kingdom that he has in heaven, and yet he enters in. And there is this invitation that we're invited into to reflect and to be shaped more into the image of Christ through gratitude. And I think that that's the main thing is it really stirs up this this humility that everything I have, I don't deserve. I'm not entitled to anything. Like the breath inside of my lungs, the next breath I take, I'm not entitled to. I'm not guaranteed it. But yet God out of his grace gives it to us. The ability to get out of bed in the morning, we're not entitled to that. We're not entitled to our health. We're not entitled to the clean drinking water that comes out of the tap. We're not in- entitled to all of these things, but yet God out of his grace gives it to us and when we we realize that not only does it st- 
stir our hearts towards gratitude and thankfulness to God, but it also makes us realize like we're not owed any of this, you know? Yeah, I I love that. And I know that sometimes I've heard some people when we talk in those terms, like, oh, we don't even deserve any of these things. There's sort of like this weird, like beating up on ourselves and like, oh, I'm just not worthy. But through that not being deserving of those things, but God giving those things anyway, you get a window into the heart of God's self-giving love. And, and like you guys are saying, Emma was saying like surrender. There's an element of saying everything that I have is from God. So I'm, I become more and more dependent upon God. Hmm. And as far as like how living in mission, which is our identity as God's people, we have to be fully dependent on God. Hmm. And Jesus was, he said, I only said the things that the Father has told me, the things the Father have given me. Absolute 100% dependence upon the Father. That's how Jesus lived and how we should live. And speaking of the life of Jesus, when it comes to gratitude, John, where do we see gratitude in the life of Jesus? Yeah, I think there's quite a few examples that you can go to. One that comes to mind is in John chapter 11, specifically looking at Jesus raising Lazarus, where where Jesus talks to the Father, he prays to the Father. And what we see is that Jesus gives thanks to the Father for hearing him. Um, And and even it says in John 11 that Jesus thanks the Father because he's heard him. um, And Jesus says that you always hear me to the Father. And what we see then is right after Jesus gives thanks to the Father, this gratitude because the Father always hears him, um, is that then he speaks to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, you know, come up, wake up, um, the language there. And then Jesus raises him from the dead. And so we see this, like Jesus is thanking the Father. um, And so that's one very clear example right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. But also, I mean, you just see um, even explicitly, you know, there's not, you know, proof texting for a verse where it says Jesus was grateful. But you think about all of the examples, the people that Jesus encountered, um, those who invited Jesus into their homes, invited him to a meal. Jesus was more often the guest than he was ever the host. And so you know that Jesus had this um, heart of gratitude towards the hospitality and love that he received from people. Because as we know, Jesus was rejected by many, but yet those on the margins were oftentimes the ones that actually received him with love. And so you know that he was despised, he was rejected, as scripture tells us, but yet there were those few um, who followed, those who expressed their deep love, their deep affection for him. They followed him. They made room for them in their lives. They made room for them at the table. They made room for him in their homes. And you know that Jesus was grateful for that. Yeah, it's interesting to me as I'm listening you talk about the story with Lazarus. Like that's something that if I were Jesus, I'd be tempted to take for granted. Like, of course the Father hears me. Mm-hmm. I'm the son of God. But yeah. for him to say, no, I thank you that you always hear me. Um, mm. That's so good. So as a community, because often when we talk about spiritual rhythms, practices, it's often just as individual, individual, individual. But as a community, what are some ways, Emma, that we can press into gratitude? Hmm. When I think of a community, like I often think about, I think about Israel and all throughout the Old Testament, these places in scripture where God tells Israel, remember, Hmm. call to mind, right? Like God calls Israel constantly and he makes them set up memorials everywhere. Like just this place of God saying, but I think God is trying to point Israel 
to remember what he's done hmm. in the midst of craziness, chaotic, like it seems real bleak, but God is like, remember who I am and remember what I've already done. And so that's why he has Israel do all these crazy things. And so I think as a community, gratitude shared as a community looks like remembering and looking back. And so hmm. one of the things I think of is my old RC, we were in a season together. We were in an RC together for two years. But in that two years, so much had ensued for all of us. My mom was dying. There was um, sickness, disease, abuse, miscarriages. Like there was so much happening in our RC with, hmm. with us. It bonded us together in these just these crazy tight ways. But I think... Now we kind of look back and we'll be like, yo, you remember when this, this, and this, and this happened and this, this, and this was going on. And then there is this corporate like, man, thank God the Lord has got us through that. Or mm. thank God, Jesus, you have walked through us with this. Thank God this is where one, there was a miscarriage and now this couple has a, their baby, you know, like, yeah. thank God. Like, so I, I like to call it like back in the day prayers or <laughs> remember that one time prayers, yeah. <laughs> but just almost like <laughs> where as a community, actually we did it in staff meeting this morning because it was Ricardo's last staff meeting. Yeah. And we literally had this time. Of, hey, we just want everyone to share funny stories of memories with mm. Ricardo. And it was so fun to listen together. Like we weren't all in these moments, but just to hear people share these moments, we got to share in the joy of who our friend is. And yeah. I think as a community, when we call to mind like even really funny things, or maybe at the time they weren't funny, at the time they were really, really painful, but we can look back now and they're more funny. Mm -hmm. Like just say, you remember that one time when God allowed this, this, and this, and this, and this to happen? And just in laughter and sadness and tears, but also joy being able to call to mind the places where we knew, we knew that we knew God was in it, even though it sucked. Or these funny times when it was like that God was in that. But just to corporately remember, and I think we think like, oh, prayer, close our eyes, bow our heads and, you know, put our hands together. But I think a super awesome form of prayer is to be together and give gratitude unto the Lord and remember what he's done. And, yeah. and that's like the good, bad and the ugly. But I'm like, it's such... It's such a discipline, I think, for us to call the mind and remember, especially when life is hard. Hmm. It's like, can we get together and just like, can you help me call the mind the faithfulness of God as we've seen it as a community, as we've journeyed together? Can we do some back in the day prayers or remember hmm. that one time prayers? You know, it's good. That is really it's good. really good. What about as individuals outside of the normal way we think of, like you said, bow your head, close your eyes. God, thank you for this. What are some other ways as individuals that we can... Pressing the gratitude. I don't know if uh, y'all watch this. I actually think everyone should watch it a little bit. But do y'all watch Tidying Up with Marie Kondo? I've never heard of it. No. Wow. On Netflix? Okay. Well, Too many things on Netflix. <laughs> too many things to watch. You right. And people usually just watch the same thing over and over too, right? Okay. You're right. Well, here's the deal. So Marie Kondo, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, she's this super tiny, beautiful, like mad cute Asian woman. But her specialty, what she does is help people tidy up. They're like homes and kind like of- Like hoarders? Huh? Like hoarders? Um, like clean, yeah, up, but like, clean up hoarders but houses? People, it's not like hoarders because okay. that's like actually like a mental illness. But okay. just like people who just have these habits of okay. can't okay. stay organized, mm. can't yeah, get yeah. like- And Marie Kondo just tries to come in and basically help these people find a new rhythm of life to tidying up. 
mm-hmm. and keeping your house more tidy. And pe- this is like hard for people who have kids and toys and playrooms and just like, how can you, like, how do you tidy up your closet? But one of the things she talks about, y'all gonna be like, you're weird, Emma. But she <laughs> says, so as she goes through closets, she's like, don't keep any pieces of clothing that don't spark joy. Huh. And so what she has people do is she has them empty their entire closet onto their beds and then go through each piece one by one. Wow. But why she says to empty your closet and put it on your bed is so you can actually see how big that pile is wow. and see that you actually have way more than you probably need. Mm, and I yeah. was like, yo, this is like some prophetic stuff that Marie Kondo don't even know she's talking about yeah. right now because I think that helps us to push against even consumerism. Totally. Like for us to see, pile up our junk and be like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I I have a lot of stuff. And I feel convicted by that because I'm like, yo, my clothes is out of control. But I just think as individual, what does it look like? Yeah, to pile our stuff on our bed, maybe literally, maybe figuratively. But to be able to see like, whoa, like I have I have a lot more than I actually yeah. need. So I'm like, Marie Kondo's being prophetic out here. But I also think like individually, I get really frustrated sometimes because I have friends who will be like, man, I'm going to be so bored over Christmas break or this summer, I'm about to be so bored through the month of July. And I'd be like about to yell because I'm like, I long to be bored. Like <laughs> I long for boredom. I long for just basically a space where there's nothing to do. No one's calling me and I have nothing and and you're on the beach and i'm yeah ac knows me i would love to be on the beach with nothing to do and no one calling me but (laughs) i just think this i long for this boredom because i think when i'm in that space i have the time to practice gratitude more Mm. so i'm like maybe i'm calling it boredom maybe maybe we should call it sabbath but i'm Mm. just saying whatever that looks like i feel like it's the discipline of boredom (laughs) like i'm like i need to make space to be bored to have nothing so i can really appreciate a slow morning where Mm. i don't have to wake up to an alarm i could do i don't have no kids so i can say this a little easier than probably you john yeah but like i don't have to wake up to an alarm i can have extended quiet time i can drink coffee i can like take my time or i can like really appreciate this netflix show that i'm binging (laughs) like not that y'all should binge watch all the time but just like the the boredom because that leaves space for gratitude like i'm like i forget to have gratitude in my daily grind. I do, if I'm being honest. I just don't do it. I don't like stop and say, God, I'm so thankful for like this clean room or I'm so thankful for this morning where I can sit here and listen to a podcast. Just, I, I, I don't do it. I forget and my mind doesn't go there, but boredom draws me into gratitude. Yeah. And I'm saying boredom, maybe y'all have a better word, but that's how I feel. The space to do absolutely nothing and have nothing. Yeah. When when your mind is free to wander. Yeah. 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 That's so good. I think, yeah, I I think whether it's the word boredom or maybe just saying like making room and making Mm -hmm. space, but the reality is like we are individuals living in a society that has been set up in ways for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different idols that that our our society has but we are nonstop on the go no margin always hurried always rushed always even to what's the name of the show the lady tidying tidying up, up with Marie Kondo up. yeah so in a way like where we're saying like hey is it is it for people that that hoard and in a way like the word hoarder that that we would say is the extreme form but in a way we all actually are hoarding things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all 
over-consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have an abundance, an overabundance of what we need. And that's what I love about, you know, what you shared about that show. But the reality is we're stuck in that grind. And we're stuck in the daily grind of like, well, I got to make this much money because this is my lifestyle of overconsumption, And I got to pay these bills and I got to pay these bills and I have this debt. And when you're maxed out, you don't have the space or as Emma would say, the boredom, the time to just be, to actually ponder, to reflect, to enjoy the mundane things of life because Mm -hmm. it's always a daily grind, you know? And I think it really deters us from cultivating gratitude. Yeah, it's really interesting, John, that you bring up the cultural flow that we have to push against. What are some other cultural idols that are challenged by gratitude? Man, that is a good question, AC. Thanks for asking it. Uh, We are recording this in November. November is kind of the pinnacle of uh, American overconsumption. And we see this play out, right? We see it. It's interesting because it's November was historically the month where it's like, hey, we're going to give thanks. This is a holiday of gratitude. And now what our society, the idol of overconsumption with consumerism and the way that American society has been intentionally structured and set up is now that the holiday for gratitude has actually been overshadowed and not even overshadowed by Black Friday, but it's actually been replaced. Where Black Friday starts on the holiday of mm-hmm. gratitude where stores are open on Thanksgiving. And so I think what what we've now been inundated with is advertisement, marketing, you get the holiday catalogs in the mail, you get things on TV, you see advertisements on every internet page, and everything is intentionally set up to tell us that what we have is not good enough, it's old, it's not the latest, the greatest, here's the newest, the shiniest, you need this if you want to be attractive, you need this if you want to be cool, all of the marketing tactics to make us think that we need, we need, we need, And what that does is it actually breeds discontentment. It breeds discontentment. And then not only that, but then we do have this inner struggle of pride, of we work hard, we deserve good things, we deserve nice things, and now we're entitled to these things. And so shop until you drop. We're going to consume like crazy. And what gratitude does is what Emma talked about at the beginning with, with the image of God is this entitlement we don't see in Jesus. And gratitude is the antidote to overconsumption. It really is. Gratitude really starts to foster and cultivate um, hearts of uh, contentment and When we're content, when we are content in who God is, in what he's given us, and we can acknowledge the good gifts, how much is enough, those kind of questions, what has God given us out of the abundance of his grace, we start to see, man, I I have so many things. God has lavished his grace upon me, showered us with good gifts as a good father, and I can be content. And not only that, but the call of Christians, the identity that we have as God's missional people is that God has blessed us, not so that we can hoard the blessing, not so that we can just consume the blessing. If we're using the language of consumerism, God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And that is all over the pages of the Bible from beginning to end um, in, in the biblical story. And what we see is God's blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. And gratitude actually promotes that. Rather than just over-consuming and being maxed out because we're entitled, we actually get to say, man, all of this is because of God's grace. And because it's God's grace, I'm not entitled to any of it. 
And that actually frees me now because of the generosity of God that we have received. Um, it motivates me to be generous. And so I think the biggest kind of cultural idol that, that gratitude really goes up against um, and truly is the antidote for is, is consumerism. And consumerism is a massive idol that we bow our knees to in Western culture, not just in America, but all over Western culture. And, and it's permeating throughout the world with global, you know, the globalization of economic, all, all of that stuff we don't have time to get into. But I truly do believe that that gratitude is a way forward for that. And I think it's important for the people of God to practice gratitude so that we can resist these powers, these strong forces in our society that that are honestly, they're vying for our attention and our affections, and they're promising us a life supposedly better than the life that we have in Christ. And it's just not true. Um, and, it, mm-hmm. and it truly is a rival God. And we have to, we have to name it and say like, man, it's not just, oh yeah, you know, I want to buy something new. It's like, no, this is actually a story, the story of consumption, and it's trying to get our attention and our affections and pull us away from the one true God um, who is Jesus. So good. That's so good. And just to quickly add, I, I think it also pushes back against the idol of individualism because, mm. like, let's say you sit at the table, presumably, hopefully, with somebody that you've invited, right? Yeah. Make space for the other. But even if you're just by yourself and you give thanks for the food, I mean, you could do that quickly. There's nothing wrong with that. Lord, thank you for the food. Let me get into grub. Like, I do that all the time. But whenever you have the time and space and hunger's not driving you too much, but to really start getting specific with like, how did this food get here? Hmm. How did this table that I'm sitting on get here? All of a sudden, your mind goes to all these other people that God has used to bring blessing to you. And all of a sudden, like the world becomes less self-centered and more God-centered. And you see all these other people that you're thankful for pushes you out of just that individualist bent. Like you said, hey, I worked hard for this. I deserve this as opposed to, no, man, a lot of people had to work and sweat for me to Hmm. enjoy this. Now, as we round third and head for home, we're in a season of Advent now where traditionally this has been a time where as we look at Israel longing for the kingdom to come and Jesus coming to establish that kingdom, we now look for Jesus to come back and fully establish the kingdom. It's already here, but not yet fully. We long for that to happen. Emma, how can gratitude of all things stir up this longing for Jesus? This is a great uh, question to go home with, AC. But I think there is gratitude in groaning is maybe Mm. how I would say it. Last year, we lost my mom to cancer. And the groaning that Romans talks about, I'm Mm. not going to cry. I'm not. Okay. Okay, we're good. But the groaning that Romans talks about, all of creation groans Mm. and we groan inwardly. The spirit within us groans, you know, for the return of of the king to come Mm. back and to restore all things and make all things new. And that groaning, I don't know that I've ever really experienced what that feels like until walking through such grief of losing. Whoa, I'm good. A grief of (laughs) losing my mom in such a horrific way to a disease, you know, Mm. that really just slowly took her body down. Mm. But so there's obviously grief where you just let the the waves come as they do yeah. and you just deal with the emotions what they are as they come and so there's no way no there's no way people can tell you how to do that it's just a thing that you have to learn how to do but grief leads us to to gratitude i think in a weird way hmm. and so it's almost like it, when my heart cries out like god are you really good god why why didn't you step in and heal my mom why hmm. didn't you show up god gratitude flips it up on its head and says 
God, thank you for the 34 years I got with my mom. Wow. You know, thank you that I have this personality trait from my mom. Hmm. Um, thank you that I am this and I know how to do this because of what you did in my mom's life. Hmm. You know, thank you that I have a faith and a walk with you because of my mom's faith, you know, wow. that led us to um, to youth group when we were young. Thank you for, man, the, you know, the moments at beach camping that we've done our whole lives with my mom. Gratitude flips my grief up on side its head hmm. and makes me see such beauty in what I, what I have gotten, that what God did give me in my mom. So I'm like, not to like throw out grief because I'm like, I don't want no one to be like, Think of the good stuff. Like, I'm like, that's the opposite of what grieving people need. Hmm. But I think deep, deep, deep internally in the groaning, in the power of the Holy Spirit, gratitude flips. It flips this posture of like, God, are you there? Do you care? Into this posture of you care so deeply. And hmm. you've give, you, you given me such beauty in something so broken and so ugly. But it really, it makes me long for the new creation more than ever. It's the groaning. Um, what Gratitude gives my groaning life hmm. where often it only feels like death wow. if that makes sense yeah um and so it makes me look to the resurrection more than ever because i'm hmm. like yo i'll get to because of jesus oh, i'm so grateful because i will get to like do life with my mom again someday because she knew the lord and so it makes me long for jesus more than ever hmm. but i'm like grief is not that without gratitude um hmm. gratitude really is this this beautiful part in a in a really seemingly ugly picture, and it, it makes it it makes it beautiful. Hmm. So, it, as, so as good, beautiful Emma. as it can be, you know, until God really does return and make yeah. all things new. So that's so good. Thanks for sharing that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry I cried a little. Luckily, y'all can't see my face on this thing though. You could just hear me. <laughs> uh, so. A picture of her face will be found in the show notes. AC, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, no. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening and being faithful listeners of the podcast, and we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Tempe podcast. We believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Redemption is one church in nine local congregations across the state of Arizona. Our vision at Redemption Tempe is to create disciples of Jesus who seek the reconciliation and restoration of Tempe. We would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 6 p.m. each week. You can learn more about us and how to get plugged into the life of our church by downloading our phone app called Redemption Church Tempe or on our website at tempe.redemptionaz.com. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please send any questions or feedback you might have about this podcast or our church by emailing tempe at redemptionaz.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.